This is Ashley Stone, and you're listening to The Comeback Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Comeback Podcast. My name is Lauren Rose. You might recognize me from episode six, but Ashley isn't able to be here today. So I am hosting and we have a guest here named AJ Whipple. I'm really excited to share his story. AJ, um, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little about yourself and your childhood? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I was born and raised in uh, St. George, Utah. My, my dad was a Boy Scout leader. And so we were always doing outside activities. Um, raised, you know, I was a uh, deacons, teachers, president. It finally hit me in high school was I was in about, I was a sophomore year, I'd say a sophomore. Uh, leading up to that, a lot of the reasons why was I'd put so much pressure on me, on myself, not really from my family, but being perfectionist. I'm like, well, I'd seen like, hey, if you put all this effort in it, and if you're doing more than the next person, then you get something back from it. I was like, okay, cool, fine a theory of like, okay, we can do this, you get a result, you get this, you get that. And so that's the way I approached it. I was like, okay, um, you know, 4.0 student all the way. And then finally hit where I, I got an A minus in a class. And so it came to a halt where it was like, what, what is it? It's not worth it anymore. I mean, I, I literally like mapped out my, the rest of my life thinking that the world is over. Uh, I can't go to this school. I can't go to this college if I didn't have a 4.0 and, and being a huge honor student and stuff like that, it, it wasn't possible. It's not in the books. So why, why keep going? And it went with, and I got tired of it. It's like, all right, that's the same thing with, with, uh, with uh, the church It's like, well, I keep messing up. What, what is it worth it? I mean, why, why keep going? And so it started with that where if I, you know, if I wasn't perfect, I wasn't worthy and thinking, oh, I can do this all on my own. And so uh, I started distancing myself from the church where I was like, I thought in my mind is if I prayed hard enough that uh, I'd have this trial or issue or taken away from me. I'm like, uh, you know, OCD or all these thoughts that um, I'm not good enough. Like if I prayed hard enough, I, you know, if I was good enough, I, it would be taken away but it wasn't taken away. And so I was like, why am I still doing this? Why am I following the commandments? Why am I doing this? Why am I going to church? That's where it started from. My mom suffers from uh, depression and she, she, she's gone through that process and she saw these warning signs. And fortunately I was not going to school at all. I, w- I couldn't even get out of bed. I barely even I didn't even care. And back in those days, uh, mental health wasn't that big of a deal. They figured it like, Oh, it's all in your head. It's all in your head. Just wake up and, you know, keep going. What's your problem? Yeah, tough it out. What is your problem? And uh, fortunately, because of my mom, you know, she put me through therapy. She got me clinical help. And so I was still, I was able to finally, after a while, functioning with depression and understanding uh, these, these thought processes were wrong. And, you know, it's not an all or nothing you know, we live in a gray world that um, it's not an all or nothing. It's not a black and white, you know, you, it's okay to be not perfect. You know, it's okay to mess up. It's not the end of the world. You can still function. And so I was able to, you know, get back into school. And fortunately, 
through the help of some other guidance counselors, take some, you know, extra outside of hours and um, still be able to graduate. Um, I was borderline not going to be graduating even. Fortunately, I did get some help from there, but I still kept um, the church at a distance because I still felt hurt that, uh, you know, even though I wasn't washed clean, I didn't have this taken away. I was still having to deal with this. So why should I still, you know, go to church and, and I'm, I'm an all or nothing person. I couldn't just sit on the fence. Um, so it was like, okay, well, all right, I'll, I'll be, I'll keep it at a distance. It's still there. And so my morals started loosening more and more, uh, slowly, um, you know, and fast forward to college. I went to. So did you change friends? Like I imagine you had like a certain set of friends and then did you just start kind of gravitating towards different different types of people? Slowly a little bit. Fortunately, I mean, in Utah, you really have to, it's, you still don't have like, at least back in my day, you, you had these, I was still partially, I still have those morals where I didn't want to, you know, uh, drink. I didn't even drink or anything or I, I prior to that, I didn't, I didn't even swear. Um, and I started doing like, I started swearing and stuff like that. And, but I never participated in like parties and stuff like that. That was a total, there was no like in-between group in my mind that I could see of. I was already always part of the, I played football uh, and athletics. And so I was always part of that group. And, I and I was always like the loner who was always at the gym. And so my friends were the gym. And so I didn't really have that group of people uh those people that were still in the church distanced themselves from me but and which kind of hurt myself even more thinking like well if you're going to ridicule me for thinking this like it pushed it made it worse actually where i didn't want to have any more to do with the church because i'm like you you say you're doing these standards and stuff like that and you're, you're not accepting of me uh, of wherever I'm at, you know, like I'm a plague. And so it pushed me even further away from the church. Yeah, luckily I never got really into any different groups of friends. I mean, I was open to more others, but I never. And so from there, it went into college where now it opened up to different groups of people. I started ha hanging out with different friends where mm -hmm. my morals had started to loosen even more. And I started being, okay, open up to Drink, and that's when I started drinking too. Uh, and that's where I went into, I played I play football at Dixie State or Utah Tech now. Um, I got open to uh, some groups that were taking steroids. And I was like, all right, why not? I started you know, taking them for performance enhancement, you know, PEDs. And I liked them and I'm like, all of a sudden I got open to a possibility of uh, dealing them to other people. And yeah, it just grew and grew and uh, it hit a head where I got tired. The only reason why I was still at school was for football and football started not being fun anymore. I was making a lot of money selling these steroids and drugs. And so I was like, why do I need to be, go to school if I'm already making a good amount of money and stuff like that? And it's about like a sophomore in college. Um, I went to a friend's uh, wedding out in Florida, Miami. Um, and I wanted to change anyway. And I thought about like California, Florida, and I'd never been to Florida. I was like, all right, why not? So I went out there and I got open to the possibility of moving out there. And so 
before I knew it, I was like, why not? I'm young and you know, I'm making a decent amount of money. And I see that South America is like cash king. That's all they do. And shady stuff all deals with cash. And I was like, all right, why not? What's the hurt? And so I moved out there when I was 22. I had just turned 22. And before you knew it, all of a sudden, it blew up bigger than I even thought. And hugely successful in the in the eyes of the world. I always kept people at a distance. I, you know, I, I'd always tell them that I do import export, which they don't bat an eye out there. Because, and, and they're always wondering how much, why I have so much cash. I'm like, well, I, you know, it's South Florida. They don't really care. Most people carry lots of cash. It's, there's a lot of shady things that go on there. And so I just fit in. And so it just blew up even more and I got more and more successful. And then, and before I knew it, it was like four years had passed since moving there and then grew into, uh, I, I became like a full blown alcoholic um, because I knew what I was doing was wrong morally on so many different levels, illegally. And I knew I should stop and I couldn't stop because I got so much attention from it. I'm like, hey, well, I built this up and I, the money was coming so easy that I couldn't stop. I, I just felt like, well, I, and I had no support group around me that would, you know, that knew about what I did fully, or if they did, they didn't care. They just cared me about, Hey, you make a lot of money. Let's go party. Let's go, go to the casino. Let's go to the club. And so there was no one there to really want to stop me or tell me that, you know, you should stop. You, you're going down a path that's, you can't come back possibly some bad things can happen. And so even though I had all these, you know, things in the world that I felt so lonely, like ridiculously lonely that even though I was, that's why I was drinking so much was to numb whatever was going on and going to the casino and things, just doing everything in my power to uh, not face what was really going on. And knowing that I wasn't, you know, being fulfilled in my life and knowing that I did what I was doing was wrong. And that's how it was going because it was getting worse and worse. So I had been in the spiral of uh, basically, um, I, I dug a hole, I should say, not a spiral. I dug a hole myself that I just, so deep that it started small, but, you know, one thing after another, it just kept on going and going. And I had not seen a way out besides possibly just taking my own life. And I had felt like that probably would be the best. Um, but the one thing that stopped me was my own family was, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that to my family. And the, the huge blessing that came to mind was when I finally did get arrested. It was uh, yeah, September 23rd, 2013. Um, I remember I have a regular routine of going to my, had like a warehouse right down the street from where I lived um, and went and got my, all my packages that I had to go to the post office and ship off. And so I got through there. I got all the way through, kept on going all the way till you know, 11, 12. My regular routine is okay. Grab some packages for that day and then jet over and uh, walk my dog and get something to eat and then go to the post office Um and so I hurried and got there um, and I lived in like a gated community Went and hurried in there, walked my dog uh, and sent him back in and hurried and 
like uh, put my car in reverse really fast. I look back and I'm like, there's someone blocking my car. I'm like, what in this, what is this guy doing? I'm like looking at my clock. I'm like, I gotta make a post office. I'm like, come on, hurry up. And I'm like, and then finally those words were like, uh, <clears throat> put your, put your hands up. Uh, um, uh, put your car back in uh, park. Most times people are like, oh, I'm panicking, I'm panicking. But the weight that I had built up over so much time that I, like I said, that, that hole, I was like, finally. I, like I said, I wouldn't have stopped unless I was forced to stop. And so that's where they basically went through the procedures of, uh, you know, getting me out of the car, throwing the keys outside the car. And then, you know, I was on, on the ground, rest, you know, uh, putting my uh, hands up and, and rested. You know, do you, do you see what has happened now? This is, this is your blessing. Now see what you can do with it. And from there on, I remember I went to the de detention center. It was hard all of a sudden, I, you know, when they uh, shut the doors behind you and you're forced to basically, your freedoms are taken away through my actions, you know, uh, doing like illegal activity, those, that privilege was taken away. And I had always thought about, Hey, this could lead to prison and like, whatever. And uh, a couple of years, it's nothing big, but finally when it hits you, it's a whole different level of like, what do I do? What all these flashings of, uh, you know, what, how's my life going to be found out now? And fortunately, I was still pretty young. I was 20, I turned 26 just barely. So I was like, why didn't this happen earlier? Or why didn't this happen? And, you know, there's a time and place for everything. And this, I, maybe I had to learn uh, some more things that I wasn't prepared for. This is a humbling experience. You know, stop being so prideful. You, you can't do this world, you know, this life alone. Stop being so stubborn. Um, all these things in my head and, Fortunately, I had such a great family uh, supporting me. The first person I called was my dad. I had told him there were some things leading up to this that felt weird to that day um, that felt wrong. And I prepared my dad and told him, I'm like, hey, if something happens to me with getting arrested or anything, here, plan this out and understand what what to do. And it was just amazing that all of a sudden, first person I called, he, he knew exactly what to do. Wow. He booked a, he booked a flight out. And perhaps to have that support and first person I was able to call and like, hey, where are you guys? And, and all I can think of is, hey, I'm glad I'm still alive. I'm still here. Um, and to have a support system like that, because I knew later on when, as I go, I went through more of the prison system, how many people don't have that and how they can fall back into it. And I know why, because the recidivism is like, like I think it's 80%. It's ridiculous. And you, it's because- You have incredible parents. You really do. Yeah. I mean, I, my support system is probably the only reason why I'm still here is because I would have given up a long time ago. Still, so I was at the detention center for about 10 days, 10 days, I'd say. Uh, I had no money either, and they had no money. Like, 
uh, to put a bond or anything. A friend of mine that I met from the gym, he didn't know. He he put forth like the money to put me on, to let me go out. Otherwise I, I would have stayed in. And it was an awesome friend. I still, you know, I still stay close to. And it's like that minor, a small blessing that like that in understanding that he, you know, that he looked more of uh, me as a person of not, not what I did, but the, the type of person I was. And, and so that's what he looked on. I was like, I was so surprised at, of that uh, small minor blessing of that. I was able to get out and in the worst time in my life was actually that span, I would say, because I had, I had gotten used to that lifestyle and now I was forced to, I had to do drug tests nonstop, having to go see a psychologist nonstop because I, yeah, I didn't care for her life, obviously. First time back to doing like a regular hourly job, which I was making nothing um, compared to obviously what I was making. So the, it, the reason why it was so hard is because I, it was like a cold stop of here you are. Um, uh, the way I recall it is like having a spigot going full force and then you shut it completely off and have anything to do with it. And the problem was, is and I was in Florida still. So I didn't have like the support group to help me like understand what I was doing was like, you know, I was drinking huge amounts, to, even though I was, they were told not to do it, but I was still, I'm like, it's the only thing that's keeping me uh, going, you know? And so that's why it was so hard because it's like having to still see all these people, I have no money, all that was all taken away and no more drugs and then i'm like okay so i'm just having to live a regular life that i had not lived a regular life forever but i was forced to do it now and so that's why it was so hard and that's where i actually it's super close to being like committing suicide my 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 parents came out to for my sentencing i fully thought that hey i was going to um go in there immediately i ended up being sentenced to 18 months, um, which is ridiculous. I mean, that's a short amount of time. And not to mention like my lawyer, that's another blessing uh, that we uh, I was able to get. This lawyer, uh, I got I, I got the lawyer from a friend up from the gym too, um, that was a lawyer himself, just not that like a trial lawyer. And he, he, he mentioned, hey, um, put in a good word for this guy. And he's like, he's well-known. Um, his name's like Mark Iglarsh. He, I don't know if you know anything about, uh, he's on CNN all the time. And so this highly reputable guy that I had no chance of, and I, I didn't have the money even to pay for much at all. And so he even discounted the rate, even to as low as he ever can do and realizing, hey, I have such a huge support group. He knew, he knew the judge too, personally. Um, that she took compassion on me uh, and seeing that I have a, a support group and that I'm going to be going through, they have like uh, RDAP, which is residential drug uh, addiction program. I was going to go through that and all those things. So I think that's the reason why I, 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 I got such a short time and uh, 18 months. So, okay. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. None of my family ever visited. I, I didn't want them to visit, um, mainly because I didn't want them to see me um, in such a vulnerable spot. And I, I did 
Another blessing was I had met some friends from like the casino of all places that uh, uh, an old, older guy that I didn't, I didn't really have much of a relationship with him, but he had visited me and found out like what I was going through and that I was going to be assigned to it. He, every week he would come visit me on Friday or no, it was on Sunday. Sorry. And just come visit me, you know, have discussions for two hours and stuff, you know, and at the time, I, I I didn't realize how much of a help it you know it did, but he always is there, and it's these small things that I I, I don't know what I had how I had such an impact on them, but apparently I did, and they they wanted to you know help me out as much as possible, and so he he was there. I end up serving uh, just like nine months while like directly in prison, and yeah he. he took me yeah every every week pretty much came and visited me wow yeah you still keep in touch with him yeah he, he's a bit older and he's yeah he's down yeah he's still obviously in south florida and he had like parkinson's he's still dealing with that so he's a great friend yeah still deal with you know talk with him and it's lifelong friend i mean yeah it's just wow. <laughs> through such tribulation like that yeah so i'm sure you have a good bond with him that's really that's really cool mm-hmm I remember reading in your summary that you read the Book of Mormon while you were in prison. So like, where, where do you start to see that God really, you know, enter in your life and guide you back? Um, it started when I was in the detention center um, where I was like, Hey, you need to get your, uh, you need to get your stuff together. And from there I got into prison. Um, and first thing I asked my family to send me was a Book of Mormon, uh, actually a triple triple combination i i never read the book of mormon uh cover to cover uh prior to that it was piece by piece growing up nothing you know serious but it's hard to actually try to put into words the amount of darkness you feel while in prison surrounding you all over the place and because you're always i you're surrounded by people that not the best, you know, they're not the best in the world, obviously. Uh, And, and you're always reminded of how horrible your decisions are, or, you know, you did something wrong, you did something wrong, did something wrong. And so you're being down all left and right. And the only thing that helped me was started reading the scriptures, um, at least like a chapter a day, or in the morning, actually was in the, that night, so um, the only thing that really helped me like keep going is because the, you're surrounded by so much despair and darkness was that continually reading the scriptures. Yeah. And I, I, I took a different approach where it was like, I need to find out if this book is true. Why not a better place than right now where I'm at? I've got the time. Why not? And so I went into it. I was like, okay started writing things. I'm like, well, what does it mean by this? What does it mean by that? Well, uh, you know, full on studying, not just reading, but trying to understand and grow my own testimony of the, the, the Book of Mormon and the scriptures and understanding like, hey, yes, this is true. I'm like, why am I feeling so so much of a comfort after whatever day or how bad ever anything going around me? that I can look to uh, the scriptures as a, a guide, a light, um, especially in such a dark area. 
Um, and I remember so many times where I get so anxious because you're in prison, you're, you can't do anything. You're just tied up and you feel like conflicting things going on in your mind. Like, uh, but the thing that helped me was reading the scriptures. It helped me calm me down and understand. I'm like, be where you're at. You're here for a reason and be a light to not only, uh, you know, others. And I've, I've, you know, there's a lot of my friends that I've dealt with. Uh, they realized I was like, Oh, you're from Utah, Johnny, Utah. They, that's, they always call me Johnny, Utah. And I, Hey, are you Mormon? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm at, yeah. Obviously I, you know, fell off the path obviously that's why i'm here but you know you know remember yes definitely and so i, I it was nice to uh you know chat with them and others that to you know bring them to kind of the gospel a little or better understanding of what it is and dispel some of their understandings of the media that rather than from the media you know straight from the person that you know a member it's instead so yeah. mm -hmm. that's awesome that I'm sure being in, like you said, such a dark place and feeling the heaviness and the sorrow of everybody there. And then all of a sudden having light, like there's such a contrast that it's so easy for you to see and so easy for you to feel because mm -hmm. it's like flipping a switch. So I, that's, that's really cool. Yeah. So mm -hmm. went through that and ended up reading the triple combination for the great prize doctrine and covenants went through it all and it's it's amazing i'm like how much peace that it, it brought me um where this inner turmoil was going on um in understanding what i did yes it, it was bad and wrong but as long as you you know uh fully repent and and go through this uh, repentance process that I, you know I, it can be washed away uh, I beat myself up so many times that I didn't think I could come back and but to know that I can't I could it was just a comforting feeling that hey however far I've, I've, I've gone very deep and wrong in the wrong way that there is a way out and one of the best feelings I got was uh what well, that whole time outside of Utah most prisons you can, there there is no sacrament at all. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of those things. And one of my best uh, uh, pictures that I love is the one with um, where Jesus is wrapping. Um, the, prodigal son, is that? Yeah, the prodigal son, yeah, coming back. And so a lot of times that the story resonates with me a lot. Um, it felt like so much that uh, his arms were wrapping around me and knowing that, hey, you're here you made it and to look back of how far i had gone is i didn't think i could make it and i did and to be able to partake of this sacrament after so long of not being able to uh now even nowadays it's like i take the sacrament and understand there's a lot of times where you can't and i don't take that lightly i'm like this is something that a lot of people can't or not able to do it and understand, uh, you know, what's so precious about it. Uh, I remember uh, for the first time, I, I finally got back out here and I, I had an opportunity to go to church. <laughs> and 
and it was it was amazing because it, I went to uh, my my parents' church and I, I met the bishop and I was like I went into his office and the first thing that he did was he hugged me and I was like whoa because you do not interact with anyone while in prison so it was a little off I was like what are you? and the things he told me was like hey thank you so much for being here and heavenly father loves you and you were forgiven and i was like i emotions are really hard when you get you you learn to get away from those emotions while in prison but it's just is it is a comforting feeling that that's the biggest thing is right even nowadays i uh, i being so far away from family and pushing them for away for so long and realizing when I got in trouble, uh, how viable family is. And they're, they're the ones, the only ones really that stuck around. Um, and so I, I, I had uh, plenty of opportunities to go somewhere else, but, it, you know, to this day, I, I value family above almost everything. And I can take down, you know, not take these other jobs for a higher pay, but no, I, I family is everything to me. Um, they're, they're through for how much they've been there for me and they continue to be. I got out, uh, I was in halfway house. Uh, I had chosen to go back to Florida. Apparently I had, uh, some unfinished, you know, things that, uh, I never, uh, got done. So I ended up moving back there and I ended up starting going back into my old ways, uh, drinking, um, even after all the, yeah, imagine, I mean, after all I had gone through. So did you, you were, you're at the church, you're feeling, you know, all the love from the bishop and, and then did you, what was it that made you want to leave all of that though? Was it just the lore of the world that you were like, oh, I don't want to live this like sober life. Is that what made you want to go back? A lot of it was that lore of the world again. Uh, again, prideful, thinking I'm like, hey, I, well, okay, I can, you know, maybe I can go back and uh, back to Florida and, you know, start getting, you know, making money again and getting back on my feet and accomplished. And, and so that, that pole was on there still. Um, and so that's what brought me back to basically Florida. And uh, I forgot to mention, it's like, while you're on supervisor release or parole, you can never move up the, uh, I was a priest. And I wanted to become an elder. Uh, it's, and I had felt like I was still one of, it's partially what it was being stubborn and, and prideful is that I thought I had served my time. Why am I still being punished and I can't move up the church? Then, okay, fine. Then you're telling me, all right, then I, I guess I don't need you either. Then oh, going back to that cycle again, that was one of those small things where I, at the time I felt so uh, like uh, stubborn and like, oh, I don't, why, why should I be, I'm still being punished for this. Why can't I move up, you know, and possibly, you yeah, know, be, you, I mean, yeah. it almost didn't, you felt like it invalidated all that time yeah. you spent in jail. Like it didn't count, mm-hmm. you know, it probably hurt your feelings a little bit deep down. Yeah. And so, and it, and it just grew and grew. And all of a sudden I was like, well, okay, then fine. It went back to my, you know, my old ways of, and, uh, it, it was slow. And then I, I went back out to uh, Florida. I try to stay, you know, sober. I, I was still trying to attend church here and there. And 
but the problem was is i was i was skirting the line of i can't you know sin and still be in the church i'm like well i was drinking and i was still going to church i was like nah. i mean i've never been one to ever be a, a, a fence sitter i was either in or all uh, all in or all out and that i was on track to do the same thing what i have been doing luckily i had you know gotten closer to my family my inner circle that they caught on and and i was open at least to listen to them and i moved back out to utah and i've been here ever since and started school and in 2018 so this was 2017 i'm um, still on supervised release uh and everything uh parole and i started noticing i'm like finally like my family there's people around me why are they so happy and i'm like they, they don't really have a whole lot in my mind of these worldly pleasures and like hey they're not successful and this but they're still they're happy they have this family and like i'm like what am i missing here and i'm like oh my gosh going with the world isn't true happiness and and i never fully went away from the world and i was like okay why not try uh, you know humbling myself fully and embracing uh you know the church and the gospel and fully embracing it see what happens what's the worst can happen you know like you can just be back where you were i was like all right fine let's go and you know i'm like all right so that's where i slowly got my journey back in 2018 and i stopped drinking and i started surrounding myself with better groups that uh, people that support you know being sober and i had never been sober fully besides prison um i was like wow this is great this and you know i I'm, I'm so much healthier and and then i'm like all right um well why not you know start going back to church uh well i had got it i got a job that i worked on sundays finally got the courage where i was like hey um is there a possibility that i do, i can't i can't work on sundays anymore it just conflicting with uh with church i can't do it is there something you can work with me otherwise i'm i'm just i resorted that i was going to just quit because i couldn't do it anymore i needed to i couldn't do a little tiptoe a little foot in the in the church and while still being out i committed to it i was like all right well here we go and the, it was amazing because it was blushing they were like, oh no well, we can accommodate you we can work around your schedule we can do that no problem can you come in these days and i was like oh yeah okay and so it's just these small miracles that i i never thought that i opened myself up to uh possibilities and then it finally uh i actually got off supervised release and i could actually start to work toward becoming an elder um which i you know I'd wanted to go to the temple and all these things and you know, growing up and you're like, wow, this is great. This, all my, all my siblings have gone through the temple. Uh, they've all been married in the temple. I never, you know, was active. I, at that time when they got married, I never could go through the temple and I wanted to go through that. And I'd seen, they're such great examples to me. And that's one of the reasons why it pushed me to be, to go back into the uh, to the church was because of them because I saw how happy they were and realizing there is happiness in following these commandments and being part of the church and 
and I wanted that. And that's the biggest thing that I'm like, Hey, I want a family like that. I, you know, I, that'd be awesome. I mean, obviously what I've been doing isn't working, you know? So like 2019, after about a year getting back into church and working with my bishop and stuff, I was finally able to get ordained uh, an elder. And I finally, well, I actually first blessed the sacrament. So it was your first time ever. Ever. And so it was a strange feeling. It was like, it was like whoa. And then from there, I went, I made some time to, luckily, my schedule with what I was working, I was able to go to baptisms to the dead uh, with my bishop. And that was surreal because I it was like, I remember doing that when I was so young and it was a totally different experience. Uh, the amount of light that the temple brings in, I was just like, uh, whoa. <laughs> it, it's like breathtaking and, you know it's the amount of uh blessings you get from just going to the temple and at that time i was just going to the bathroom for the dead and uh was able to go through i went through the bountiful temple with my family it was a long road <laughs> to say the least um but it was that same embrace that I had felt before of having 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 the Father and Jesus wrap his arms around me and knowing you did it. You did a good job. You're here in that embrace. And yeah, yeah. So so I got through the temple and uh that's been yeah, been a couple of years now. And I but, read you go every week. Oh yeah, so it was so that was like uh, December 2019, went to the Bountiful, and then I went uh, to Salt Lake right before they closed. Oh, awesome. And, yeah, and so I got an opportunity there, and then all of a sudden, first of the year, is like, you know, it's, you don't have to be perfect. Everyone there at the temple is not perfect, and we're all, you know, fallen, and it's okay to mess up, and all these things that, you know, these walls came down of knowing that I don't have to be perfect. Hey, things, I, it's okay to mess up. It's not the end of the world, whatever you're doing, you know, and understand you're there to serve and, you know, you draw close to the Lord. And it brings so much happiness to me. I wanted to go through all these different temples. In Salt Lake area, you're so close to all these temples. I'm like, why not? You know, I mean, I, I started being like every week I'd go to another temple on my Saturday drive or where I go to all these different ones. I was like, you know, they have a, they have a temple passport. My, my, someone in my family bought one for me. So there, it has all the Utah temples in it and you put a little sticker. Like every time you yeah. go to a different temple, you should get one. Yeah. And so it, it also, it, it turned into awesome where I, I almost went to the most I've done in one week is three times, three sessions, wow. endowment sessions, because it's miraculous about, the, the differences and nuances of how it's different for each temple. And um, that's why I, at the end of the day, it's still, you're still serving uh, and bringing those that have passed away an opportunity, um, you know, to partake of those, those second ordinances that they didn't have an opportunity here in, in life. So, yeah. That's awesome. So I, I take it you're feeling, how are you feeling today now that you, have accomplished so much. You've come so far. You're you're going to the temple. Like, how's life now? Oh, it's 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 great. I mean, I still have my 
I still have to deal with my regular OCD and a, a lot of times where I much like the devil knows how to get at you really hard. And uh, one of these biggest things that I've dealt with a lot lately is uh, understanding my path and not comparing it to others. And uh, in, in Utah, it's, it's, it's hard not to compare yourself um, for where my path is. And I'm 35. Um, I still deal with like depression big time. Uh, coming back to my 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 own path and understanding and having uh, reverence and understanding that my timetable is not the same as the Lord's for me. I want something so bad, but you know, hey, that's uh, like all my my siblings have gotten married. I'm not married. I don't have kids. I'm 35, and it's hard not to compare yourself to others, but. At the same time, you understand I've gone through so many different situations that maybe my story can help someone else in the same situation. Um, and so I, I continually, I have to watch myself of, you know, I, I'm an addict. I'm a, definitely an addict and I have to watch my triggers. And one of the is being lonely is it, I, it's, you know, I take it day by day and, and it helps me a lot is going to the temple and that's one of the things that helps me is my refuge is going to the temple and serving and not only that is i had an awesome opportunity this past well i think it's from february since my calling i'm a sunday school teacher <laughs> so yeah to like 15 16 year olds uh and it's a blessing i think more from my from my own perspective is because uh, I, it forces me to get out of my comfort zone and open up to more the come follow me that maybe I wouldn't have been, how I can help them, um, especially because I, that's when I fell away at their age and help them understand that you know, to prevent, hopefully prevent them from going down the same path that I did. So yeah, that's amazing. I, I think that there's a lot of people who will be able to relate to you. I don't think you have to be a drug dealer to relate to you. There's a lot of things that you think that you've spoken about that I know I have dealt with and I know a lot of other people have. I think that you have a really incredible story and I'm so excited to share it with everybody. It's so inspiring and just to see like how happy you are. And even I watched like your face just light up. It was so different from the beginning of this episode to the end. It's like, you're a different person just telling the story, like you changed from your old self to your current self. And it's, it's mm -hmm. beautiful. It really is. And you just, you reminded me of my journey, you know, and, and the things that I felt were similar to you, even though I didn't have to go through the exact same things and that I'm, I don't know you, but I am so proud of you. <laughs> like I just think, <laughs> You have such a great story. I'm so glad that you shared it with us. Do you have any last thoughts with you that you want to share? Any like spiritual insights or any anything? Based off like uh, conference talks that, that have just come, that we just went through conferences, one that touched me was um, when you're feeling lonely, reach to the Lord, not don't go the way of the world. Uh, reach out to the, the Lord. Uh, Yoke, his strength, yoke with him to gain strength and uh, you will feel uh, stronger and, and be able to accomplish anything that comes your way. Yeah. 
Okay, okay. well, thank you so much. And yeah. I guess we'll, we'll stay in touch. Okay, we'll do it.